Welcome to the podcast, People of the Book. I'm your host, Meryl Ain. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We chat with authors and storytellers in thought-provoking and intimate interviews, all with a Jewish twist. On today's program, I'm delighted to have Yvonne Marzuk as my guest. Yvonne grew up in Philadelphia and received her BA from the Johns Hopkins University as founder and executive director of the Jewish environmental organization, Confe Nesharim. She worked with rabbis, scientists, educators, and community leaders to create and distribute Torah teachings on the environment, including a comprehensive set of core teachings, later gathered into a book called Uplifting People and Planet, 18 Essential Jewish Lessons on the Environment. Yvonne has spoken to schools, bat mitzvah programs, synagogues, and women's book clubs about themes and Jewish lessons from her novel, The Prophetess. On her website, she offers program guides for Jewish educators and the free printable Heroines Journal, A Jewish Mystical Journey of Growing Into Your Gifts to Empower All Women to Live Their Greatest Dreams. So welcome, Yvonne. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you. And um, we're going to be speaking today both about your book, The Prophetess, um, but also we're going to talk about the attack on Israel a little bit and anti-Semitism around the world. So I understand um, you have a son who's in Israel right now. Could you tell us a little bit about um, him, how old he is, and talk to us a little bit about his experience. And um, we really like to know how he's doing and how you feel about his being there. Thank you. Yes, this is, um, for me, the experience of having my son in Israel during an event like this is so much different than every other time there's been an event. I mean, there hasn't been one like this, obviously, but I I never realized um, how different it would feel to have him there. And, um, you know, it started out on October 7th. I was in synagogue like many people, and I was there in particular because that was the day for saying Yisker. It's a memorial prayer. I was there to say it for my mom. And I was there to, you know, to be part of the end of this holiday cycle. And when the rabbi came up and said something has happened in Israel, he didn't have very many details. He just told us to pray with all our hearts. And um, and he really made it clear that something very serious had happened. So my first, the first thing that I did was go and sit next to another mom who had a son in Israel and say, and I feel like we like exchanged a look that maybe Jewish mothers have exchanged right. with each other mm. for thousands of years. Right. Do you know what's going on? Neither of us had any idea what was going on, but it's an entirely different experience. Um, I, I, I would certainly have prayed with all my heart anyway, but it's a different thing to pray when, you know, your, your beloved child is there and he is okay. And, uh, he's 18. He, uh, we, he really wanted to go and study in yeshiva for the year. And 
we've been really excited about this for a long time. I didn't get the opportunity to learn for a year in Israel when I was young. And I think that it's such an exciting opportunity and such an immersive, beautiful experience to get to do before you go to college. And um, for now, he wants to stay and we're uh-huh. trying to empower him and making his own choices. That's, I feel like that's part of what you do with an 18 year old. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so that's what we're, that's where we are. Wow. So, um, you know, you you say that you're empowering him to make his decision. He wants to stay. Obviously, probably I would assume. Correct me if I'm wrong. That the original plan was for him to spend a year studying um, in Israel and then go on to college. Um, how how do you feel about the the uptick in in anti-Semitism here, especially on on college? campuses and and would that factor into the decision at all um i mean the anti-semitism certainly is terrifying and i feel like for most of my life i haven't really wanted to talk about anti-semitism i'm kind of more of a positive person i always want to focus on the positive but wow um the last few years um and especially now with what's happening in college campuses, it really does seem like it's the time for us to start talking about it and making sure that people understand that it's not okay. Um, and in terms of college, I mean, I I think it is scary. I am hoping that we're sending him to a college that is, you know, aware of these issues and responsive to them. And I also do, you know, there was certainly a time last week when we were hearing what was going on on college campuses and thinking, wow, you know, is there is there actually a safe place anywhere? Um, but right now, we're um, he, he wants to stay, and I've, you know, we've said to him, you know, whenever you just, if you ever change that, we're here for you, and if you ever want to come, you're welcome. You know, obviously, we'll support you in whatever you choose. And, and I hope that when he comes back and, you know, I don't expect him to start college next year until next year, regardless, but I'm hoping that by then, (laughs) um, uh, at least his college will have, um, you know, put in place additional things to keep kids safe. Right, right. Um, so let's let's uh, switch gears a little bit and 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 let me just say we we do wish him absolutely uh, the best. Is he in Jerusalem? Yes. Okay. Yes. And and he is an observant Jew. Yes. Yes. Um. So if if he were here, um, do you think that's a a problem? Um, displaying the fact that you are an observant Jew and, you know, some people are taking off their kippot and everything. Um, Would you, how would you advise him? Right. I mean, I've been looking, I've been reading some of the details about (laughs) anti-Semitism, the Anti-Defamation League, and um, I was seeing that last year they tabulated 3,697 anti-Semitic incidents throughout the United States, which was a 36% increase from the previous year. And the most mm-hmm. since they started tracking in 1979. But the thing that really stood out 
for me was that of the 111 assaults last year, 53% were against visibly Orthodox Jews. Really? Yeah. Kind of shake me. Um, it's it's interesting. You know, when he was younger, he was actually concerned about wearing a kippa in public, and we were really like, you know, trying to encourage him to be proud to who he, to be who he is, and you don't have to be scared, and people here are not going to hurt you. And um, it's awful as a parent to feel like you might have to eat those words. But um, for now, my husband wears a kippa. I wear a skirt and a hat. And we're going to keep trying to be who we are. And there are times when um, baseball caps seem appropriate, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we're going to try and be who we are as much as we can. Okay, thank you. So let's, uh, as I said, let's shift gears and talk about um, your novel, uh, the, the Prophetess. And um, why don't you just give us a brief synopsis um, of it for those who have not read it yet? Yeah, so The Prophetess is a story of a girl who is unexpectedly starts to have visions. And as she is coming through the process of having visions and not knowing really what what they're about, she is unexpectedly called to join a secret community of Jewish prophets. And so it's a story, it's a kind of mystical Jewish coming of age story where Mm -hmm. he, and it's, fundamentally it's about like how does a person respond to a calling that is seems bigger than that how do you how do you deal with a situation where you're being called for greatness that feels like bigger than you could possibly imagine and so i like to she she has this kind of she had her grandfather who left her like a note um that said like like in a in a childhood prayer book that said for rachel may grow may she grow into all her gifts and the story evolves through this process of like, what is it to grow into her gift? And how do we grow into our gifts as human beings? And I like to think of it as like, you know, we all have gifts that we were born with or that we're coming into. And no matter what stage of life we're in, we're all growing into gifts that we have and becoming more and more ourselves and, you know, embracing hopefully more of who we're meant to be. and bringing our gifts into the world. And so the story is both a kind of a good story that, you know, enables you to kind of get invested in the characters and, you know, fall in love with the process, but also hopefully also is like uplifting and offering little bits of Jewish wisdom and why Judaism is so special and beautiful and why the land of Israel is so special. And, and through that process, becoming you know exploring what it is to grow into one's own gifts yeah well that's that's such an important message really for people of all ages because you can grow into your gifts at any age it's never too late and I was wondering um why why you chose um to write it as a YA gift a book and YA book and I assume uh, specifically for girls. Well, so actually, it's not boys I, as well. Okay. Sorry, I didn't actually write it as a YA book. Oh, um, you did. I wrote it for for you know for everyone. I think, and um, you know, when I, I took as my model books like The Alchemist, 
um, that is actually like written about a young person, but is obviously a, a story that we can, I don't know, for those who are familiar with it, it's actually based on, on like an old Rabbi Nachman tale, I think. Um, but it's, um, you know, the story of a boy who kind of like goes out um, from his shepherding and mm -hmm. has all these adventures and then discovers wisdom through the process. And um, it's a beautiful story, um, Paulo Coelho. And um, it's written about a young person, but it's really intended for everyone. And that's always what I had envisioned. And I really, one of the things, so this book that's coming, it's coming out in paperback that was published four years ago in hardcover. Super excited to have a paperback version. And when um, is the paperback version coming out? It's coming out on November 14th. Okay, and, great. Uh, mm -hmm. Donations will be made to support Israel um, for all the books that are pre-ordered by November 14th. Great. Um, and so it's in, so anyway, it's available on Amazon for pre-order now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and in the, you know, I'm really happy to have the opportunity to let everyone know that this book is really not just for young adults. And in the process of, you know, going through sharing the book in, you know, over the last few years, it became very clear to me that many of the people who love the book the most were adult women. Absolutely. Like women who are of all different ages would come to me and say, I don't know, you say this is a young adult book, but <laughs> it really spoke to me. And uh, so I want to honor that and, and everyone's experience that's really not only intended for young okay. adults. Okay, well, that yeah, that's important. Now, uh, why do you think it's an important and relevant read um, for everybody at this moment? Well, I mean, first, like you said, I think that everyone still has gifts to grow into. And mm -hmm. I feel like at whatever age we're in, hopefully we're still growing. I think it's really important to know and uh, internalize and understand that life is a process of growth. It's not something we don't stop learning at a certain point. Hopefully we're continuing to grow and we always have gifts to grow into. But I especially think that in difficult times when things are really like unfortunately hard and scary i certainly don't wish for those times ever but in those moments there often is an opportunity to grow something that we haven't seen before something that we can grow into and you know something that we have been thinking we should do or we'd like to do or some part of us that might not be fully developed but that we have the opportunity to grow into and i know for many people this is like a time when it's hard even to like focus Absolutely. I, a lot of do, people say they have difficulty reading right now. Yeah. But I'm doing, doing anything for them. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I felt it too. But I'm also, it's interesting. Sometimes I felt very paralyzed and like I can't even think of what needs to happen. But then there have also been times, I don't know if other people have felt this way, where like I feel like all of a sudden, like my whole life is like pointing in an arrow towards regardless of everything else that you have to do right now, you have to do this. And I've been feeling like those kinds of moments of calling through this period where sometimes like I just, I had this class that I needed to teach and I didn't matter how many people were coming. I needed to organize this class and I felt very focused and, and, and even though I had no energy for anything else, I needed to do that thing. And some people have shared that that's, you know, being a parent is that thing. Like they've just, you know, they sort of laser focus on that thing. And I think that 
even if there are many things that you can't focus on, if there's one thing that feels like I've got to go and do this, that might be an opportunity for growth. Um, the other thing that I'll just say is that, you know, in terms of the prophetess, it's a light read. It's, you know, it's a fast read. It's an uplifting read. If you're looking for something that will make you feel good about being Jewish, make you feel good about Judaism, um, make you feel good about the land of Israel and, you know, about yourself, this is a great book to read at this time. Absolutely. And and I'm wondering what, what inspired you to write it? In some ways, the book is about our relationship with God. And, you know, because it's about prophecy. And for me, one of the things that I struggled with as I was writing the book was, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? We say that there's no more prophecy. What is that? that's the kind of traditional Jewish perspective about prophecy. So what does it mean? Like how do, are we, I, I didn't want to think, and I didn't believe that Judaism was trying to say by that, that we don't, that we're no longer having the opportunity to be in touch with Hashem, with God. And that, you know, we do all the talking with the prayer, but it's like a kind of one way experience. I feel like some people experience it that way. When really I do believe that God is regularly guiding the world and is also trying to help us understand what we should be doing here um, through Hashgacha Pratit, this idea of, you know, of God's hand kind of working in the background of the, of the world. That I think that if we're looking for what those messages are, that we still have the opportunity to receive them. And I think that we can kind of see how life is guiding us. And for me, exploring that and being able to um, explore a little bit of Jewish mysticism and what it says about that and work that into this story was a process for myself of um, learning and being able to communicate some of that, some of that. And although, you know, prophecy isn't as far as I know, as far as I know, there's no secret community of Jewish prophets operating right now. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that there are ways that we can be um, seeing what, what we're being called for and grow into that. And for, um, and I, I want to share that in the story. Thank you. So the prophetess uh, really presents a, a gorgeous image of the um, special spiritual nature of the land of Israel. Um, do you think this is, I obviously you think is it is important, but do you think it's, even more important, especially now, and why? I think that the relationship of the Jewish people to the land of Israel is really important. And I do think it's really important right now to express and have people understand that that is a longstanding, many thousands of years relationship. And I, in my book, the prophets have a very special relationship to the land of Israel, of course. Um, I think that it's kind of understood that there's a, a richer, deeper spirituality in the land of Israel, and I've, I've experienced that myself. And I do think that understanding that this is a place where holiness lives, where Jewish people belong, I think is a really important lesson to have. And that's not to say, I mean, I don't want to get political. That's not to say that there aren't real issues that need to be worked out right now and that there aren't um, 
needs to both defend the land and also um, you know, find ways to bring peace and the lasting peace in the right time. But I think that the the notion of the way the land of Israel is presented in this book just makes it clear how important the land of Israel is to the Jewish people. And I think that that's important, right? Definitely. So I'm just curious, when did you um, first visit Israel, Yvonne? And what was that experience like for you? How old were you? And um, what did yeah. you take away from that? Yeah, I've shared this on other podcasts. I, um, I, when I was 17, I, this amazing thing happened. Um, I, I had actually been to a camp the previous year when I, I didn't grow up religious and I had been to a camp when I started to hear about how, how great Israel was, um, a Jewish camp. And I, I thought I'll never, that's not possible. I can't possibly go to Israel. That sounds really nice, but it doesn't seem likely for me, but I, I'd love to do it. And then this, when I was a senior in high school, this miraculous thing happened. This uh, contest appeared in my public high school. And they decided that they said for this contest, they would have four components. And the winners of each of the four components would get a free trip to Israel, free 10-day trip. Wow. And um, one of the components was creative writing. And I was a senior in high school like the editor of the literary magazine at my high school. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like God arranged things that I would be able to go like in exchange for literally the only thing that I could, that I could confidently say that I could do, which was to write a story. Yeah. And um, so I wrote a story. I wrote my heart into this story about Israel and I won. And so I got Wonderful. to go wow. on this 10 day trip. It was such a gift. And um and it was a really powerful experience. I mean, I really experienced the beauty there and, um, uh, you know, getting to go to the hotel was like, you know, like nothing else I had ever experienced. Like I really felt the pull towards the hotel. Like when I got there, I felt drawn to that holy place. Um, felt like I didn't want to leave. And um, so it just um, really, um felt like just an incredible gift and and I've come gone back to Israel of course many times since then but there have been other times also where I just felt like God decided it was time for me to be in Israel and so like something showed up and there have been a number of opportunities where something's just shown up um I'm part of the ROI community which is part of the Schusterman um uh program at the community of young Jewish innovators and um and that they a similar a similar kind of situation where like I was amazed to get into this program and then uh, they brought me to Israel three different times for very very low cost. Um, I just um, sometimes I I I think of that as like it's a it's a place to go and to spiritually re- restore and grow. So so you um, had this these i'm sure you had more the first one was an amazing spiritual experience you've been back to israel uh many times i'm curious though how you um captured um these feelings the 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 knowledge that you have and um if you could just tell us a little bit about 
your writing process and how long it took you um, to write and and research the book and and did you have to do much research for it? I I started I actually spent about twenty years working on this book. I started it when I was in college, right. and <laughs> I continually I wrote about eight drafts and continually returned to it, mm -hmm. um, just continually building and coming to understand. I feel like in some ways that. I wasn't ready to write the book when I started writing it. And there were experiences that I need to go through things that I need to learn in order to be able to write it. My greatest concern was to make sure that the Jewish aspects of the book were accurate to our religion. Because when I started writing, like I had as my model, like I said, like books like The Alchemist or The Celestine Prophecy. I was a big fan of that when I was, you know, a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I really, one thing that was really important to me was like, I don't want to invent my own religion. <laughs> now the Celestine prophecy actually like turned into like its own religion. Like you can look, there are like thousands and thousands of people that like follow that path. That was definitely not what I wanted to do. I really wanted to write a book that came from my own wisdom tradition and that was authentic to that tradition. And so the most significant research that I did was trying to understand Jewish mysticism and there's not that much Jewish mysticism in this book, but I wanted every piece of it that was grounded in that to be fully, totally authentic. And I even, I learned with rabbis, I had one rabbi, Rav Avraham Sutton, actually, um, I read him certain parts of the book to make sure that they felt authentic. He teaches Kabbalah in Jerusalem. Um, his wife read the book. I think um, it, maybe not, maybe he's not a novel reader, but his wife read the book and gave me feedback. Um, and, and that was the thing that was really the most, and that research was really fun for me because I'm, I'm excited about that kind of thing. Um, I also did some fact-checking and other kinds of research, um, locations where things were happening and, uh, there's a dancer in the book. I wanted to really understand what it's like for dancers, what challenges they're facing. There's medical situations. I did a lot of fact-checking of that. So it's, I tried, I even... <laughs> The book is, you know, has a Jewish calendar, obviously, that's based in it. And I even went and like picked a specific Jewish calendar so mm -hmm. that um, like a specific year so that I would make sure that like if Rosh Hashanah falls on this day, like what day this ship will fall on. Which right, crazy when right, it's right. Where it's like, you know, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur happen and they're like religious Jews, but there's no Sukkot. Like, um, and I didn't want to. I didn't want it to be the kind of thing where your, you know, suspension of disbelief is interrupted by me getting some silly detail wrong. So those were, I was very careful about things like that. Okay. Well, 20 years in the making. Wow. <laughs> and, and what kind of, all right. So, so 20 years, at what point um, did you think it was, what made you think after all this time, writing and researching that it that it was ready to uh, see the light of day and 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 be published was there anything that um made you um decide that at that point um you were ready to go with it well i finally got some help that was really <laughs> it turned out that what i needed more than anything was a little bit of help and i was what i discovered i actually got a writing coach and um, what I realized is that even though I'd written the book over and over again, there were certain little parts that I just kept not finishing. 
And so I never actually completed the entire thing. Like I'd written off old chunks of it and, you know, most of it, but there were little parts that I hadn't finished. And I worked with a writing coach and I, I actually like found a way to kind of trick myself to finish the whole thing. Like I wrote it all out of order. Mm-hmm. So that I forced myself to write the parts that were hard to write. Cause I, by doing that, I, um, I kind of took myself out of a perfectionist mode, tried to stop trying to kind of make everything match before it was really finished, which is a real challenge. Like, I think that was something that was a real challenge for me. Like I right, I changed my mind about something and then think I had to go back. And so once I started writing it out of order, I kind of forced myself to actually write the whole thing without having to be compelled by things that had happened before. And that kind of opened up some creativity and gave me some freedom to finish it. And at that point, I had a developmental editor who helped me to I actually like presented the developmental editor with like a series of known issues. Like these are these are the problems that I can't figure out how to solve. And she was extremely helpful in helping me solve those problems. And then I rewrote the whole thing again. That was one of the drafts. Oh, wow. That's and that's yeah. great. I mean, that you, you know, that you stuck with it and that it um that it's in the world now. So you must be very proud of yourself. You should be proud of yourself. Um, So you graduated, um, I understand you graduated with a degree from the writing seminars program at Johns Hopkins University. And you mentioned in the acknowledgements um, that you had Dr. Chaim Potok as a professor there. that's really something. What what did you learn from him and how did it impact your writing? It was such an honor to get to learn from him. Um, he was a visiting professor at Hopkins and I got to take two classes with him. And he he had this whole theory. It was actually really interesting that he taught to us and he we were reading like My Name is Usher Lev and books like that with him. So he could explain how he wrote mm. his books, which was really fascinating. And he had this theory that really stuck with me that when you have a culture, there's like a core to the culture and then there's a kind of periphery. And some people are kind of in the center at the core and then some people are around in the periphery. And he said like the core is very strong, it's magnetic, it pulls. And anyone who's in the core, like they're there, they're basically like stuck in the core. And they're not going to change their minds about things. And if they encounter someone on the periphery of a different core, uh, like of a different sort of culture, there's not just one. If they encounter someone on the periphery of another, then there's nothing happens there because the person on the core won't be pulled. But that there are these interesting interactions that happen between people who are on the periphery of two different cultures. They can have kind of an exchange. And his theory was that people who are on the periphery of one and they're kind of open to things can sometimes be drawn into another core. And that's how people change religions or get drawn into cults. Mm-hmm. They get pulled to like a different core. And he, he really, he, he was very fascinated by that dynamic. And I think in, in, in my name is Asher Lev, he had kind of like played around with that in like, he had one character who was very much in the core and one character who like had more opportunity to be able to interact and the the chosen as well yeah 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 so he really it was like a a real like concepts that really stuck with me in terms of how people interact with each other 
within their sort of cultural identities. And um, as a person who like kind of chose to become Orthodox when I wasn't raised Orthodox, like I saw, I see myself really as someone who kind of went from the periphery into my own core. And so mm -hmm. it's like a really meaningful thing to to think of it that way. And I think that it's very useful in writing to think about those kinds of things that, um, you know, how people interact with each other and change based on their own, you know, individual cultural identities. So what what has been the reaction of your uh, family and friends to the prophetess? Oh, you know, family and friends are proud. <laughs> I really appreciate that. But, you know, the best thing is some people in my community have really come to me and said, I'm not sure what you did, but this book changed my life. Oh, wow. And this book start, touched my soul. I had a friend come right. to me who is not religious. And she said, I don't know, my soul feels so happy after having read the story. Um, those are the those are the things that really make the biggest difference for me when people, you know, when it touches someone and you can see that it just, it, 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 you know, there's this idea in Jewish mysticism that we all have kind of sparks and like we have light and, and part of what happens in life in relationships is that we're kind of exchanging sparks with each other. Like I might have a little bit of wisdom that you need and I can pass it on to you. You might have a little wisdom that I need. There's there's kind of an exchange happening at a sort of spiritual level. And I if they're if people get a little bit of wisdom or like a you know something that their soul needed out of this story, something that that clarifies something for them or opens up something or or heals something that was sort of um, wounded within them, that's the that's the kind of response that means the most to me. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, so our our time is drawing to a close. I just have a couple of more questions for you. Yvonne, what, what's next for you besides the paperback? The paperback is coming out on uh, November 14th, um, but what what's next? Well, right now I've been writing some things about the situation in Israel. And um, in particular, I just wrote an article about my son in Israel that was published in the um, Jewish News Syndicate called um, What Sending My Son to Israel Has Taught Me About Love. Mm -hmm. That was like a real pouring out of my heart um, that people that's been really well received so that is happening and I'm, I'm writing a few other things that I'm hoping might be published right and that's mostly um, taking up all the writing time that I have right now I have some other projects that I have in mind but um, I think they're not quite ready to talk about yet okay where can listeners find you online so I'm very available online my website is growintoyourgifts.com I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook as Heroin Whisperer, Heroin with an E. Um, I do I'll try to post things that are um, inspiring for, especially for women to grow into their inner heroine um, her, and their inner heroism. And, um, and I also have a sub stack, which is linked on my website in case you are interested in um, hearing more from me for my newsletter. Hey, is, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners that that we didn't cover <laughs> i just am praying for the lasting peace and i just want to wish everyone the blessing of lasting peace and goodness in the world and maybe all grow into all our gifts great thank you so much well thanks for 
joining us today, Yvonne Marzuk. Her, her novel is The Prophetess. I also want to thank our executive producer, Pam Stack. People of the Book is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Please visit us and like our Facebook page, People of the Book. I'm your host, Meryl Ain, the author of The Takeaway Men. The sequel, Shadows We Carry, is available now. For more information about my books and writing, visit me at merylain.com. Until next time, please join us on Facebook at Jews Love to Read and read a good book. 